Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. Welcome! Welcome to the pit of despair. Just kidding. No! I am glad you are here. My name is Carolyn and I'm one of the pastors here. What do you think about that meme? Do you know what movie that comes from? We might think that we are in the pit of despair. We might be really unhappy that we're back at home again. But you know what? Such is 2020, right? Flexible, flexible, flexible. I'm really excited to be able to bring this message to you. I am the one of the pastors here at New Horizons, and I'm also a planting church pastor. I am planting a church in Fruta, Colorado, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you the message before Thanksgiving. I told Pastor Annie a while ago that I, given the opportunity, I would love to be able to speak to you and with you today um, about sowing Thanksgiving. And that's our message today. Well, as we thought might happen, we had a change. This is coming to you in your living room or maybe through Instagram or Facebook, one of these ways. Maybe you're watching it Sunday morning, maybe you're watching it Sunday night or sometime during the week. But change has hit again, including at New Horizons. So this week and next, we will have online services for sure. Beyond that, please make sure that you're watching for updates. We will give updates via all the social media outlets that we use, which are Instagram and Facebook. We also send out emails, so please be watching. And if you know someone who isn't connected to one of those outlets, will you be willing to give them a phone call? If you see that we have a change coming after these two weeks of being at home, maybe we're gonna be at home longer, will you make sure that you call one of your friends, call somebody that you know? who might not get the update. And let's make sure that everybody knows what's going on. We don't wanna leave anybody out. So keep up to date as best you can. And we are doing our very best to communicate all the changes as they are coming out. Um, we wanted to be safe this weekend. There were just a few too many cases in the staff that were up in the air. We weren't sure how people were feeling. And best case scenario was that we go ahead and come and bring this to you in your home. So glad to be with you, glad you're here. Okay, I got a joke for you. What has lots of teeth, lives in the ocean, and is very nervous? What has lots of teeth, lives in the ocean, and is very nervous? Got a guess? A shark going to the dentist. My son told me that joke and I just love that. Do you know I agree with that shark? Oh my gosh, all those teeth headed to a dentist? Yikes, I actually share that fear of going to the dentist. I used to love the dentist when I was young. He would always tell me how I was one of his favorite patients. My teeth were in great shape. Now he did call me Trouble, that was my nickname, and I don't know where he got that from, but other than that, I loved going to the dentist. Loved seeing him, thought he was funny, and then I became an adult, and my teeth ended up sensitive. 
and I had that terrible news of you've got a cavity. Some of you are going, what? You were an adult before you had a cavity? I wasn't just an adult before I had a cavity. I had already had kids before I had a cavity and had to have one fixed. I know, some of you are going, I've had cavities replaced by other fillings. So I've had fillings on top of fillings because my fillings fell out. You just had your first cavity when you were an adult? I know, and I don't know how you handle it. That noise, that sensation in your mouth, huh, I don't know how you do it. For some of you, you're going, my kids handle it better than you, Carolyn. I know, I know. Isn't it interesting that based on your experiences, tell us maybe how comfortable you are with something. So for example, I do a lot better at the doctor. I don't have a lot of anxiety when I go to the doctor. I generally can go and go to my appointment, do my blood work, and I'm fine. I actually donate blood, and I don't have a problem doing that either. Flu shot, it's okay. I, I go to my place, and I'm good. So some of you are going, I don't know what's wrong with you. I hate needles. So I maybe don't like the dentist. You maybe don't like needles or don't like the doctor. The emotion's kind of the sim same there, but our experiences are pretty different. And that's true for a lot of things. Your experiences maybe make some things a little bit easier for you to handle. Maybe you can kind of go to that place like I do when it's time for a shot, or maybe that place you go to when it's time to go to the dentist, and you can, you can work your way through it. So the same things may not give us the same emotion, but what's interesting is that we all share the same emotions. So for me, it's a dentist. For you, maybe it's the doctor. For some of you, it might be a test. What kind of emotion do you feel when a test is coming? Or what about if you have to give a presentation at work? Or what if you have to give a presentation at school? What goes on inside of you? Is that, does that stomach start churning? Do you start imagining the impossible that's going to happen? You know, worst of the worst of the worst case possible because you have to give a presentation in class are you one of those that says, I'll do the research or I'll do the artwork, but please, oh please, don't make me give the presentation. Is that you? Because those, your stomach just goes nuts. There's those emotions again. It might bother you more than the other person, but we actually share those emotions. What about the first day somewhere? Your first day at a brand new school or your first day at your very first job. How did that feel? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you scared? Were you fearful? Were you good? Oh, I can do this. Some things bother us more than other things. And in the case of myself and doctors, I needed to see doctors growing up. I needed help for my lungs to work properly. And so at some point, I had to start just getting through it. And the more times I had gone to the doctor and had come out the other side, then the next time when I had to go to the doctor, I kind of felt like I knew what was coming. I felt better about it. Maybe back to the dentist example, 
oh, I haven't had to have a lot of cavities. And so I, don't, I wanna do everything I can to avoid that feeling again. And maybe you're like, it's not that bad. You can get over it. Well, different things bother us different ways. What's the same is that we all have experiences and we all have some kind of emotional response to those experiences. The very same thing that we share is the very same thing that separates us sometimes. Because sometimes you're like, why does that bother you? And there's some tension there. Isn't that interesting? But what do we share? These emotions that I'm talking about. Okay, maybe anticipation. You're excited. Something brand new is getting ready to happen. Maybe you get to go driving for the very first time and you're really excited about it. You're looking forward to it. Maybe it's the first time going to Disneyland or the first time going to see the ocean and you're just so excited. Anticipation, concern. We have concern. Maybe you're concerned about a friend, maybe about a test, maybe about your animal. Another emotion we share is disgust. There's some things that just, we don't like, that don't sit well with us, right? Fear, that's another one. We've all experienced fear at some point or another, right? The dentist, I don't wanna go to the dentist. As a matter of fact, if we go beyond the dentist, I actually have a thing for chiropractors. I went to a chiropractor about a year ago and he said, so which would you rather, come to the chiropractor or go to the dentist? And I'm like, I think I'd rather go to the dentist. He was shocked, his sister's a dentist, he's a chiropractor and they always like to ask their patients who, who, which one they're more afraid of. Hmm. Uh, intimidation. When you are that new person or when you are coming against that football team and they're a little bit taller and they're a little bit stronger or they've been playing together for longer and you just kind of have that feeling of intimidation like, oh, I don't know if I could do this. Or you graduated college and you're starting your first job in your field and you're all of a sudden around all these people who've been doing it for a long time. That can feel a little intimidating. Or maybe you're a first time dad and you're just trying to figure all this out and you're staying at home and you're taking care of all these things and it's a disaster. Maybe that feels intimidating to you. Disbelief, excitement, happiness, satisfaction, anger, sadness, anxiety. All these are emotions that we all share, but we don't share them about the same experiences. And honestly, we share them in varying degrees. Some emotions for you are more acceptable. You're, it's okay for you to feel excited or anticipatory. And maybe for me, maybe getting excited in my family of origin was not a, a, an emotion that I should have because you know what? Things happen and you need to be ready for change. I don't know, maybe for you, Anger isn't an emotion that was acceptable growing up, and so you don't know how to handle it. Or maybe sadness. Maybe you grew up in a family that was like, get over it, move on. If you have, we don't cry in this family. So we, it's different for each of us. 
We do have these emotions. We were created to feel them. They happen inside of us. But we can feel them to varying degrees. Lots of times, that's because of our comfortability with it or our comfort with it. How, comfort, how comfortable are we with that emotion? If we're not very comfortable with it, we have a tendency to kind of push it away. You don't believe me? All right. Let's look at this first one. 2020 coming our way. I'm prepared. Whoa. Didn't see that coming. Right? Surprise. Man, that night got it right between the eyes. How about this next one? The Grinch. Stink. Stank. Stunk. Disappointment. Right? Okay, how about this one? Look at that thing on that bridge. I would feel fearful if I saw that big old crocodile staring at me. Silly, I know. But we all had some kind of reaction when we saw them. Some of us laughed. Some of us went, uh-huh. We had, we had some reaction to it. We probably didn't all have the same, but we had some emotion happen. We experience nervousness, anxiety, excitement, pain, loss, grief. They are all a part of our life. Why? Because life changes. Things come and they go. And oftentimes, it happens when we least expect it. Sometimes, sometimes we might expect it, but a lot of times, gets us kind of like that night, right between the eyes. If we're to be honest with ourselves, we know that change is inevitable, but we don't like it. It's okay if we make the decision. Maybe I decide to change my class, or I decide to stop a sport, or I decide to start a new job, or I decide to go buy a car, but maybe I didn't decide to get let go from a job, or I didn't make the team, or my car broke down, and I, now I've got to figure out something for a new car. When we get to decide, change is okay. It's acceptable, and maybe even exciting. But when change comes unexpectedly, Suddenly, we're left wondering what just happened. Change is inevitable. But for some reason, we have this idea that only good change is the change that we can control. In the church, we don't do change well. We are no different from the rest of the world in that. When something happens unexpectedly, we still get disappointed or angry or confused or sad, and we fight with it. We're no different as believers. We have this emotional response, and that's a good thing. That's healthy, we should. What's unhealthy is when we push against the change. What's unhealthy is when 
Our world has just been rocked, and our only response is a refusal to accept it, maybe ignoring that any change has happened, only feeling anger and anger towards everyone. Not anger that we're willing to work through, but we're just gonna blame the world. We do the same thing in the church. And as believers, this cannot be. If we are going to be emotionally and spiritually mature believers, we have to learn to process endings and new beginnings. It's hard. It's not like one thing ends and the other thing begins right away, boom, boom. Oftentimes there's this huge chunk of time, space where you just feel like you're wandering or you're stuck in time or you're just floating in space with no control and you don't know what direction you're gonna go. And so we don't like it, we push against it. As emotionally and spiritually mature believers, there is a different way to approach change. There is a different way to approach endings and new beginnings. Okay, I wanna give you a whole list of experiences and I want you to get out a piece of paper and a pencil. So pause the video real quick, grab some kind of pen, some kind of mark, marker of some kind because you need to mark down how many of these are true for you, okay? So write a tick mark for every one of these that you have experienced. Okay, there's a whole bunch of scenarios. Count up your tick marks. Now, think about some of the things that I said. You bought something you saved for. You gave a gift someone you knew they wanted. You moved away. Your friend moved away. You lost a job. You've gotten older. How many of those things did you get to control? Half? Maybe less than half? Change comes whether we like it or not. But in our culture, we view change as something to reject, as something to ignore. As believers, sometimes we actually say that it's the enemy at work when really it's just life. Things happened and sometimes they're bad things that have happened. Sometimes we try to ignore endings and beginnings, starting something new, a new process, a new system, a new way of doing things, online school, um, small groups on Zoom. Those things are like cuss words. Don't say them, don't mention them. They are not nice, don't use them. But as believers in Christ, we're, we actually see in scripture over and over that life happens in seasons. And we don't get to control those seasons. We don't get to control when summer ends and fall begins. We don't get to control that we had a snow and frigid weather 
way before any of us expected it. We don't get to control when winter comes or when it looses its grip and spring comes in. Those things are out of our control, and yet we see throughout Scripture this idea of seasons, of change, of endings and new beginnings. We're going to look at Ecclesiastes today. Um, I'm going to read a portion out of Ecclesiastes 3, but the, the teacher, the person who wrote this, it, it, plenty of people think it was Solomon because of all of the talk about wisdom. Solomon was known to be the wisest man that ever lived. Um, and he kind of, he's kind of unhappy. He kind of says over and over, everything is meaningless. He's a bit, I think there's some bitterness in there, some depression in there for sure happening. He is not happy. And he's tried multiple things. And he just keeps saying, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Have you found yourself saying that this year in 2020? Be honest. It's kind of like these chips right here. Whoa. Toothpaste and orange juice. That's kind of like what the taste in our mouth is, right? That's what he's saying. Ah, yuck. This is meaningless. And he's tried everything. He says wisdom is meaningless. He says hard work. That's meaningless. He says pleasure. That's meaningless because he's tried it. He's tried it all. And he's, he has seen good people suffer. He has seen bad people get away. He has seen terrible things happen to good people. He has seen things that don't make any sense. And it doesn't matter how hard he worked or how hard other people worked, disappointments came. There were things that were unfair. And he's like, this is meaningless. Why do I even try? Have you said that this year? Why do I even try? Well, he did. He tried pleasure. He says, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their life. So he takes on projects. He's like, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to give to the poor. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Have you found yourself doing that this year? Coming up with that project to make this all go away, to get that taste out of your mouth? And it just doesn't work. And that's what he's saying here. And he goes through all this complaining because he is upset. And then something happens in chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And there's this moment that we begin to see. And he says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace 
and a time to refrain from embracing. A friend reminded me of that in this passage not long ago. Can you believe that? The word is so timely. Embrace, it's like a hug, a time to hug, a time to refrain from hugging. That's what that means. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear. Oh, that's painful. And a time to mend. A time to be silent. And a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Have we been silent instead of speaking? When we've experienced what we've experienced this year? He goes on to say, what do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. What God has done, no mind, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Talk about 2020. There's not one person in this world who has been unaffected by 2020, who has been unaffected by the virus. There are curfews, there are mask mandates, there are school closures, there are business closures, there are losses of jobs, economies in turmoil. This is around the world. This change that's happened to us, it, just ha it hasn't just happened to us. It's not just an annoyance that we need to, you know, like an annoying hangnail that we just got to get rid of. No, this has been going for a while now. We are in November, the end of November, and we're headed into the holidays. This is not something we can ignore. Things have changed. How I interact with my students has changed. The things that we have to prepare for as, as teachers and you as students has changed. Our willingness to go from, okay, we have these we have this schedule, but we gotta be ready to change in an instant, has happened. People are out of jobs. Their, their livelihood has ceased to exist because maybe they had to close their company. All around the world, interruption has taken place. There's been a shaking, a tearing. Things have been uprooted all around the world. And yet in the church, we don't do this well. When we see this change, this pain, this anguish, and I'm not saying it's good things that happen. I'm just saying that in the church, we are going, stop, stop, stop. Instead of a light bulb going on in our head and maybe going, whoa, what if God's at work in all of this pain, in all of the change, in all of the uncertainty? What if God's at work? We see this in scripture. We see time and time again of people having this in-between time where they've had a, heard from the Lord or had a promise from the Lord. And yet there's all this time before the fulfillment of that promise takes place. And we look at it and we read it and we go, that's amazing. You have so much faith. How did you do that? But when it's time for us to experience this, we are like this swing 
and we jump on the swing and we go bam. What just happened? And instead of bowing our knee to God and going, God, what just happened? We push against it. I mean, look at that brick wall. You can keep pushing it against it, but it's not going anywhere. We may have pushed against this from February to November. But it didn't do any good. We all have had to face change, interruption to plan, disappointment, fear, anger, whether we liked it or not. And, and it's time for us to ask ourselves, how am I handling when change happens in my life? How am I handling endings and new beginnings? Well, I, we know that we're not handling them well when? Okay, you know you're not handling endings well when you can't stop ruminating about something from the past. So you just go over it and over it and over it in your mind. You use busyness as an excuse to avoid taking time to experience emotions. You avoid acknowledging the pain of your losses. You find yourself angry and frustrated by the grief and pain in your life. You escape or medicate the pain of loss through self-destructive behaviors such as overeating, undereating, use of pornography, inappropriate relationships, substance abuse, over-engagement with social media, or working too much. Number six, you know you're not handling endings well when you struggle with envy that you feel towards others who don't seem to be hit with the same hardships in life that you experience. Number seven, you're not honest with yourself about the feelings, doubts, hurts that are deep beneath the surface of your life. You rarely acknowledge when a program or person has outright failed. You avoid the pain by spinning the truth and glossing over losses, disappointments, and struggles. That's quite a list. Did you hear yourself any, any of those? I heard myself. We all experience change. It's going to happen. We cannot continue to think that the only good change that occurs is the change we control. If you are a follower of Christ, I am a follower of Christ. We are laying down our will and saying, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. Even when our whole body is screaming out, no, I don't. I trust you, God. You are working in this confusing in-between. This has ended. Why has that ended? Why hasn't something new started? Ugh. Now, I trust you. We see this throughout scripture. Moses, God told him to go and set, their set his people free. And Moses said, I can't do that. I have a speech impediment. I, I, I don't speak well, in other words. 
I can't go. And God said, I've called you. And Moses had to trust him. Joseph. Joseph was thrown in prison for something he did not do. He was falsely accused. You know what kind of stink we make when someone is falsely accused? But Joseph was different. He knew that what mattered was, was he right with his father in heaven? What if God calls us to that sometimes? David. David had conquered all sorts of different people groups. It was a time of coming on a time of peace, not war. And he goes, he goes to the prophet and says, Nathan, and he says, I want to build a place for us to worship the Lord. And he goes to the prophet and inquires and said, is this something that the Lord wants? And God said, no. As a matter of fact, he said, not only did I say no, but your son is going to do it, not you. You don't get to see that. Do you know what David did? He sat. How many times has our response over 2020 been to just sit? When we get hit upside the head again, we sit. When we go to the store and what we need is not there, we sit. When we try to get rolling on some new patterns in life, whether it's in school or teaching or with your job, and boom, students have to come back home or teachers have to quarantine, and it changes again. Have we, have we just sat? Or are we fast to push against it Be, and, and talk about how wrong it is? Jesus, Jesus goes in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is in anguish about what he's going to experience. He says, if you, God, Father God, if you can take this from me, how many times have we said that this year? God, can you just take this? Can this stop already? And he, he goes back. He says, not my will, but yours be done. Are we saying that? Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says that it, it talks about him having some kind of thorn in his flesh, something of a reminder of his weakness. He says, your strength, God, your strength is made perfect in my weakness. Our weaknesses are all over right now. Whether it's our physical inability to fight a virus, whether it's our mental capacity to, to handle what's coming at us, we each are coming to our breaking point in one way or another. It's too much. And that's okay. We have to be honest with ourselves. This list is talking about avoiding the emotions, avoiding the pain. That's what we can't do. We can't keep running from it. If we want to be emotionally and spiritually mature believers, we can't keep running. We got to turn back. It's November. It's almost December. And instead of just going, forget 2021, I'm going to 20, forget 2020, I'm going to 2021, and 2020, you can go in the toilet. No. What if we take it before the Lord and we sit as David sat? What if we come before and go, man, 
None of this makes sense, but God, there's a time for everything. And although no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end, not my will, but yours be done. If we're going to be emotionally and spiritually mature believers, we must accept endings are a part of our walk in this life. We must begin to view endings as inextricably linked to our personal maturing in Christ. We must view endings and waiting, that confusing in between, we must view endings and waitings as inextricably linked to our personal maturing in Christ. We must affirm, number two, we must affirm that endings and waiting are the gateway to new beginnings. Endings and waiting are the gateway to new beginnings. You can be like, nah, I'm good. Uh, no, I'm good. Kind of like this one. <laughs> 2020 didn't affect me. Nope, nope, nope. If you don't know who Taylor Swift is, uh, Google her real quick because that's hilarious. It's affected us. 2020 has affected us. So let's not run from it. How do we do that? A process I, I um, use with those I disciple, um, I do it with my family, I do it with myself very regularly, is called an iceberg activity. And it comes from this idea that we see very little of the iceberg up above the surface. It's only about 10%. Like 80 to 90% of an iceberg is below the surface. Well, that's us. We actually show a very small part of who we really are. It's about 10% of who we really are is what we show to the world. The other 90, we actually we keep inside, sometimes out of fear, lots of times out of fear um, of being rejected or of being alone. But when we do this iceberg activity, it be, allows us to be aware of what's happening below the surface. That's where these pesky emotions show up. And these emotions are not to be feared and they're not to be rejected. We need them. They are a window into what is happening inside us and actually what God is doing in our life. So back to your piece of paper. I need you to go through these questions. What am I angry about? Pause the video. Ask yourself, what am I angry about? Number two, what am I sad about? Write it down. Don't, don't jump through this. Write it down. I, what am I sad about? Number three, what am I anxious about? That tightness in my chest, the sweaty hands, the, the cold feet, but the maybe hot face. What am I anxious about? And number four, what am I glad about? Think about it. What am I glad about? What has worked? Once you have answered all those questions, I encourage you to do it as a family. Pause this video, answer it with the people next to you. If you are alone and you're, and you're quarantining, pick up a phone and call someone, ask someone to go through these with you. What am I angry about? What am I sad about? What am I anxious about? What am I glad about? And then in your own time, ask yourself, why am I angry about that? 
I sad about that? It's not a guilt thing. It's, it's not a guilt thing. It's a discovery process. Generally, we find out things that we value. Well, I'm angry that this is, isn't at the store because we need to share with one another. Everybody needs some. And if we would just take what we need and not take too much, everyone would have something. It, maybe that's something that you're upset about. It's because it's a value system you have. That is a beautiful trait that you have. And so when someone else is violating that, it causes you emotional pain. That's a good thing to discover. This isn't guilt. It can feel scary to do this the first few times, can feel really, really awkward. But all those, all of those examples I used, first of all, they're all men. And every one of them showed intense emotion. We can do this. And the next thing, pick up some Psalms. Pray through the Psalms. Look for a Psalm of Lament. You can know you'll find that you have found a psalm of lament when you hear something like, God, why have you forsaken me? That's a good place to start. If you can find that in the words, you've probably found yourself a psalm of lament. Go into your closet, grab that psalm and read it and be angry or be sad, whatever that emotion is. Read it and believe it and make it yours. See what happens when you invite God into what's happening deep beneath the surface. And here's my challenge for each and every one of us. The end of the year is coming. 2020 is coming to an end. And 2021 is going to start. My challenge, if you choose to accept it, is not to post one angry meme about 2020. What? I know, some of them are hilarious. But you know what I'm talking about. As believers of Christ, in Christ, as followers of Christ, we don't just pour a whole year down the toilet and go, well, let's forget about that and move on. No. Remember, as emotionally healthy, spiritual believers, we recognize God is coming to us in the confusing in between, in all the changes, we recognize that endings and new beginnings are linked to our maturity in Christ. So I challenge you, not one angry 2020 meme from now to the end of the year. That's my challenge for you. Now I have this prayer. I hope you and everyone who you're with prays this with me. Welcome Welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me in this moment because I know it is for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for security. I let go of my desire for approval. I let go of my desire for control. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. And I open to the love and presence of God and the healing action and grace within. It is when we allow 
ourselves to feel our emotions, to recognize the endings, and waiting in the confusing in between, that thankfulness actually gets sown. As you go through those questions, as you pray this prayer, as you pray the Psalms, imagine you are putting seeds of maturity, of health, of mental health, of physical health, of spiritual health. You are putting these seeds in the ground and you are tending them and caring for them. And what will come out is thankfulness on the other side. Moses was thankful. Joseph was thankful. David was thankful. Job was thankful. Jesus was thankful. Paul was thankful. And so can you be. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.